for half your life cause there's no afterlife space is a time continuum and that's only when the math is right so poverty ain't enough so meals inside a cup given to broken kids that we got from the afterlife time has no existence cause race is just the repentance and abortion is immoral is what they say with broken fences but black children with dreams only dream about existence then the white virus came this is before earth and spacemen they said that we have the weapons and that it's probably melanin Pelicans flying over the ocean to bring mental men. The earth is slowly bleeding, and the heart, it won't let them in. Waiting for the mother's ship is in melanin, and weapons more advanced than anything that a broken country of a whore could want. Broken fronts in front of storefronts, they make black bodies fold and scream fronts like broken croissants. My son don't want seven shots in a body of one. Are we ready for takeoff? against rap we're not against rappers but we are against those something big about to happen i hear the beat tapping we some fly rum and felines rapping on the track better yet grab a gap cause we hot like enzo doors closed windows up cause that's the way we like to ride windy city hitting check mic one two one two we live baby One. <laughs> hey Chicago and welcome back to Speak Your Mind Radio. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Queen Star, aka Miss Hip Hop. And today, y'all, we have a really dope guest in the house. Uh, he's from Memphis, Tennessee. He's a vocalist, a rapper, an actor, a film director, and a Billboard Charting Recording Academy member. <laughs> And y'all, he is a, you're welcome. And he is a Gillian Burrell syndrome survivor. And we're going to get into that. But so right now, bring it to the mic. Step into the mic. Feel me? We got Big Swahili. What's up, man? How y'all doing? I'm I'm talking loud like this because this is how everybody who grew up in the 90s talk when they was introduced on air. I'm talking like this by extending my vocals right now. How are you doing, Star? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well, Mark. Let me tell y'all about her. I don't know if anybody did this about her right now. This young lady alone with her questions at Lincoln University. <laughs> Was, was was all the rave. I couldn't wait to see a paper drop. Paper drop, and I pick it up and I look at it, and I just look at look at look at the articles and look at what she was doing. She kept the energy of LU stable, and when she left, damn, the media part department ain't been the same since. 
the media department ain't been the same since. Star, wow. I'm glad you found your voice and you're developing a voice for others. Congratulations to yourself. You deserve the full Kente <laughs> stroke. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you, Marco. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Big Swahili. My bad. You know what I'm saying? Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That's freaking awesome. Like, I don't know. Thank you for the Kente stroke. I, I needed that. Thank you. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's all about it's all about giving people the stroke. That's it. You know. <laughs> we got to encourage each other as, as black people and, and, and black patrons of black culture and society in the white world uh, that is still black people. Uh, we have to encourage and uplift one another to the fullest, and, and that's the reason why I'm pushing my whole Kente stroke methodology and trying to encourage everybody to make that their motto and. And just you know, peace and love and happiness. That's why we love Soul Train, Star. We love Soul Train because when you finish watching every episode, peace, love, and happiness. You know that that's a serious thing. And sending this type of message, what you're sending, that that's what we need. We need that message that always ends on a good note. It was never a bad episode of the Soul Train. <laughs> wow, indeed, indeed, I concur so on so many levels for sure. Yes. Um, well, you know, Big Swahili, on Speak Your Mind, we start off every interview with the icebreaker question for the guests. So you ready? I'm okay. ready. I'm always ready. Hey, um, hmm. What superpowers do you wish you had as a child? Oh, you about to go down a whole rabbit hole now. Here we go. You about to find out the whole DC character formation. Dang. Well, the superpower I wish I could have was to be uh, is it omnipotent or omnipotent or omnipresent. That was a power I always wish I could have, and I still wish I could have now, by the way. But there's a power of being omnipresent. Like, I'm everywhere at once. I'm all that I need to be in everything there's nothing or nowhere i am the embodiment of existence and that was a power that it was looked at as not being cool right i had i was thinking of an adult power here but somebody else would be like a lightning fire you know sit like that i'm like no i want to be existence so that was the power that's beautiful, Marco. I mean, Big Swahili, that's why I look at you as those. And bad niggas, run up with the bad, just, just let off. <laughs> at the same time, being with my family. <laughs> yes, 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 indeed, indeed. I see that in you, though, for real. That's some real talk right there. You silly. Okay, um, Big Swahili, why don't you like tell the listeners and the viewers, since we're recording on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Pandora, and YouTube, and just God dang everywhere, uh, why don't you tell the viewers and the listeners out there today a little bit about who Big Swahili is, and how did you get into the um, entertainment industry? Oh, okay, I have a nice little story for this. So first I was Black Grits. I've been Black Grits uh, because as a kid, I didn't have identity in what I was doing creatively, right? And so uh, I called myself one day Black Grits. And um, it was because a homeless guy used to call me Black. So folks who grew up with me knew me as Black. Uh, the Grits came 
because like um, I was sitting outside of working with my grandfather. You know, growing up, I hung around all of my granddads. So, but Grandpa Willie, key, uh, farmer, you know, blue collar guy, you know, uh, three different retirements and stuff, railroad, Benz, Breger Glass Company. That's who I had in my life at the time as another male figure. I mean, I had a stepdad, but this guy was, you know, the bloodline male that uh, outside of my other uncles. So I was the closest nephew living near my grandfather, closest grandson. And so I would go and uh, work with him and he would take me to these houses. He was always about building up the community with these, right? Yeah. Um, he would go into the poorest areas in Memphis and he would gut out the house. He would point out the improficiencies of white construction companies. He said, you see these piping? They put this piping in here because it's cheap. They put this piping in here because of this. These are lead pipes. We don't use these in my houses. They put this in here because it's going to get the job done. That's it. He said, and we, I remember we were gutting them out of these poor houses and stuff. And I was like, man, this is when I was really ignorant as a kid, you know, 16 years old. Like, why are we, why the hell are we out here helping these folks? They just going to tear up the houses. And he looked me in the eyes and he said, um, you know, and this is going to lead to the grits. He looked me in the eyes and he said, you know, um, a person's condition shouldn't deteriorate or mean that they need less. And this uneducated man, uh, classically educated, he's classically educated. These, right? Yes. Um, uh, Agriculture, real estate, owns 400 or so acres as a black man in Mississippi. And so... Anyway, working at one of his houses, one day I went to the store. And in Memphis, uh, it was the store that, you know, the stores in the South, they sell food plates and everything that, um, that uh, um, you know, you just walk in there and buy high food. Like, you want a sausage sandwich, fried fresh? Yeah. You, know, you might find it in Memphis. You want ribs, nigga? Nigga, they got ribs at the store. So I walked to the That's store. Sure. This is my combination. I got me a whole bunch of hog malls. I'm a country guy, you know, a whole bunch yeah. of hog malls. Hey, they were good. They were delicious. I bet. And I had some grits, some butter. And that, and that was my uh, lunch because we do hard work and you eat heavy in the morning and at lunch. Okay. That was my lunch. And and so we had, and so I was sitting there, finished cutting all these yards, helping put bri- uh, lay carpet and replace flooring, you know, and I was um, eating in grits and hog malt. And my grandfather is the only elder in my family who called me a nickname, and it was Grits. Cool. So, yeah, yeah. And that's a story I really don't tell a lot of people because it was it was the, uh, I don't want to get all emotional, but that was the first time that, you know, I had received any type of confirmation on who I was oh, wow. based off of something I was doing. If that makes sense. It does. So to be able to sit here, hear uh, an elder of yours say, hey, Grits, yeah. right? Not Marco. Right, 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 Grits, right. around all these other workers and these other Mexican workers. And it was some some from Nigeria or whatever, because cool. he'd pull up to Home Depot and they all hop in and he'll pay them. He said, I pay the best. And they know I pay better than everybody when they work with me. And he was just putting me on game. Like, you know, I could, I could run the city if I will, you know, but he'll pull up and, and when everybody else was just giving these guys like $25 a day to work, I've seen my grandfather count out a hundred, 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 hundred. For a day's work. Wow. And it, it was heartwarming. 
but some people weren't even as immigrants fresh in the country he built up his team by and he built up what he has by building up others around him Beautiful. and so when he was able to give me a name he built me up so black grits are both two significant names but that wasn't the music that wasn't my music. That was that was it was never it just the nickname I had and the name I gave myself because of the sentimental values of those characters written on paper and and or the the, the verbs or the the nuances of it saying it is black grits. This is me from my environment, right? right, right. Not me creatively. Mm-hmm. Big Swahili came because my daughter and I were joking around. And I was. I sent her a song, and she was like, "It's like you're speaking in Swahili." I said, "It's because I'm big Swahili. I'm speaking big Swahili. Y'all don't understand, because you're not you're not there yet." Mm-hmm. And you know, and to give background on that, why that's special is because that's the first time my daughter and I were able to engage in a conversation about what we both do creatively. And she's 12 years old, and, oh. and so that was like unique. You know, of course she paints. She draws, she writes stories, and she has characters. Like, she's developed, and I told her, I said, sweetheart, you're developing your own creative universe. The universe is in your hands. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's why it's kind of hard to get rid of. Now, creatively, my daughter helped me (laughs) with my name. So that's how big Swahili and that's why I came here to bring the universe, the Kente stroke. <laughs> <laughs> I asked you if you was ready for the Kente no, stroke. You said, I wasn't ready. I'm all ready. Like, hey, you getting the Everybody, everybody, if you got a neighbor, you turn to your neighbor and you say Kente stroke. That's what you do. <laughs> right. You, we got to empower each other by giving everybody the gospel of the kente stroke you build in the environment you don't take their environment and tear it down you build up people to be in that environment you ever went to a nice ass restaurant and you change the way you act yeah mm-hmm. right and some people don't understand what i'm saying because some people ain't really a five star or diamond rated right so mm-hmm. you go in a diamond restaurant Everybody's doing this. Everybody's talking, whispering, they're whispering, they're talking. It's very, very, very monotonous sometimes talking. Oh, that's great, Jack. That's cool. And I'm, I'm looking at white boy Jake like, nigga, you faking right now. We don't talk like this when we eat, nigga. And he's like, Marco, you know, I'm just following the flow, bro. I'm like, yeah, I'm okay, I understand. And then you conform to it because it's, it's, it's a sense of being better, even though I could be in there like, hey, y'all ain't got no chicken, nigga. And then everybody's turning around, plates drop like, oh. And they probably would have done that if I said, hey, I need some water, right? And that's the thing, because that environment. So you ever walk in a fancy house? You can't do shit in a fancy house that you do inside like your your, uh, your frat house or your party college house, right? Right, right, true. <laughs> you can't true. do stuff like that there. And that's the thing putting people in better environments. And that's what my, my, my music is. My music, I'm presenting something that I believe everyone deserves that's what my creativity is visually that's what my stories are i believe everybody deserves to be exalted in some sort of way and everybody deserves uh an environment better than where they are because you won't know better sometime unless you put yourself in an environment and let me define environment sometimes environment is um 
your environment can be words. Like how earlier I said, you know, how I got my names. It wasn't, it, it was, it was the environment for the name were the words and the relationships and the def definition behind it. I didn't know. I'd, I've gotten better because of those interactions. And so that's how an artist gets his name that he didn't want. And now this goes into how an artist uh, better develops himself and his name. Exactly. exactly. Uh, hopefully I'm not taking up all our time here. No, not at all. That's why we're here. So you can tell your story, Big Swahili. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you did touch on everything that I asked you. You know, I, I asked you to describe, you know, to the viewers and the listeners who you are to the entertainment world. And I think that is a beautiful and powerful story that you told, especially a lot of people may not know this, but I'll, I'll put it in a perspective that I understand. So me being from Chicago in the streets, you feel me? Like, I'm, I mean, I'm going down the street like that, but I'm, my environment was the streets. Some people that come from the streets, they don't have a self of identity. You feel me? So when I watched this one documentary, um, this is this is strange. It it created like a, a mindset in me that if you don't know who you are at any age, you're not going to move past the stagnant level of creating who God wants you to be. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. right. That makes a lot of sense. Yes, heck yeah. Because your grandfathers, and I think that's a wonderful, beautiful story for you to be so close to your grandfathers who are even more closer to God because they've had experience on this earth and they work with their hands and you at a young age was helping them so he gave you your first nickname grits and that became very powerful mm -hmm. but it wasn't the last name that was going to be given to you because when you were a kid your superpowers was to be omnipotent everywhere existence and that's exactly what you're doing. So, which brings me to my next question that I want to ask you. How does it tell your story of you being a GPS, not GPS, y'all, GBS survivor? GBS. Explain, because I know what it is. I, I did my research, but I, to me, I feel like I barely scratched the surface. I want to hear it from your mouth and what happened. So we're approaching the anniversary of me having Guillaume Beret or GBS uh, is coming up in a couple of weeks on the 27th wow. uh, would be the anniversary from last year. Uh, what ended up happening was, and this is going to shine light up on how they treat black men in the uh, medical field when it comes time for them to actually get help. I went to three different hospitals and three different doctors before I was finally diagnosed by another minority um, doctor who listened. Um, it started in like August I, last year. I started having tingling weakness in my hands. I even got like a scrunchy ball hand eczema size thing and whatever. And at the time I was working at Centerpoint Hospital, I, I loved working there, by the way. It was a great, I had a great boss. Like my director was amazing. Um, pretty much anywhere in mental health, all my directors have been amazing. So I would use that and try to strengthen my hands and it wasn't working too well. And then one day I was like, oh, let me do 
and push-ups. I was just keeping myself awoke. I want to drink my coffee. And I got down and tried to do a push-up. Now, start you know me. Back in the day, I actually had a uh, you know, six-pack, probably yep. eight-pack coming in, right? So oh. I used to be very fit. Yes. Um, so been doing a push-up wasn't an issue. So I, I got down and I was like, okay, let me do one. I couldn't do it. The next week, this whole left arm was just starting getting tingling and numb. Oh, now, I was thinking at the time, because I was working two full-time jobs, making a Skrilla, you know what I'm saying? It was, I enjoyed both of my jobs, and I was working 16 hours a day. That was the goal. I was going to have my lady be at home just to be a mother. That's what I wanted for my queen. And what ended up happening um, was I was thinking, I was like, I'm having a stroke. So I went to the hospital, the first hospital, uh, which was um, uh, Capital Region. Went there and the doctor did some tests, asked some questions, and not even joking, 30 minutes I was out the door with a $800 bill. Damn. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, maybe it's me, maybe it's stress, you know, and, and whatever. So, and, and mind you, I'm still working, I'm still doing my thing. And I go, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to wave at everybody who's joining here. Uh, I go and I ended up, um, basically um, going to the doctor the next week. And I was like, something's not right. You know, I'm feeling painful now. Now it's starting to hurt. Now my feet are numb. My hand tips and everything are numb, right? And then I, I go there and it was about the same thing. I don't know what it is. I went to another hospital. And the last one at that point was, well, before I went to the same areas was Boone. And when I went to Boone, uh, the younger doctor, you know, it's a research hospital collective. So beware of research hospitals. But uh, he was basically saying he doesn't understand what's going on with me. At that point, it came all up the arms right here. All of the arms. It stopped at all the joints. Oh, wow. And I'm going to tell you how I think. I think uh, I'm going to tell you. I- I'll explain why I think God uh, spared my life. Okay. And and why I, I, I know that the universe spared my life because how Guillain-Barre works. I had these symptoms for two months. Mm, mm. The last day I'm at work, left side of my face just drops. Now, Amber, the um, nursing supervisor was there. Amazing mother, amazing lady, amazing person. was a little concerned because I wasn't as talkative. I wasn't as like walking around, you know, doing my usual stuff. I was just, you know, I was just, I popped in her office and just talking to her and she say, blow, blow with your lip, like do that. Right. And I can barely do it now. And so I was spits coming down and I'm like, Oh, what the heck's going on? I thought I was literally having a stroke. So she checked me out. Yeah. Uh, blood pressure and stuff was cool. And, but she insisted like, you know, you're going to the hospital. Same thing with Brianna. So I took a picture and I sent it to my wife, Brianna. And she was like, no, you're going to the hospital directly. Wow. This is when I, this is when I say my life was impaired. Got in the car. I could barely drive. What? My legs were weak arms were weak. It happened rapidly. The tingling was all over. The pain was excruciating, but it, it was only getting worse. I get to the house. I'm like, all right, let's go. And I said, look, I think I need to take um, 
a bath or something. I don't want to go in there in my balls. I saw reek of balls. No nurse <laughs> wants to deal with the smell of Afro-American balls in the ER. Trust me. No one wants to deal with that. You know, you don't want to deal you? with Afro-American ball smell. It sounds racist if I was a, if I was a white guy saying that. Like, it sound, if I was a white guy who said that on national television or on air, everybody would be like, that's just racist. Like, why would he say that well the fact is no one wants to smell afro-american balls in the er like <laughs> but um but, but so I, I i was in the shower and we had we had some steady hot water uh it was i didn't realize how hot it was so that was my first indication then i get to the kitchen because i need something to lean against to put my pants on mm-hmm. couldn't put my pants this is the same morning Within mm-hmm. an hour of me getting off of work, mm-hmm. I couldn't put my pants on. Mm-hmm. Walking outside to the car, I had to stop. Bree helped me to the car. <sighs> we get in the car. Outside in the parking lot, I'll never forget this as long as I live. Because we black and we, we and through trauma and through concern, yeah. we use comedy and conversation as a yes. hidden mechanism. Yes. Or not to worry. Yes. And me and Brianna, we can engage in, in great conversation as a form of uh, relief, relief from a lot of things. Conversation can be better than sex if you got the right person. No, that's true. Um, and so I was like, watch us get in here and it's named after two white guys. And I made up something Fitzgerald disease or something like that. And we were both were laughing. We laughed. We went in the hospital. I explained the symptoms. The, the nurse at the station immediately had a room ready, walked us in, did the vitals. They streamlined the vitals because the symptoms were just so unusual. I was naming everything and then I was like, I don't know if it's a stroke because, you know, the numbing of the arms and stuff. And so then we get back there and I'm like, another white doctor is not going to listen to me. The doctor, Dr. Roach, I think, I think his name was. The doctor comes in, he listens, he listens, he listens, right? And I'm just telling my symptoms. Same thing I've been telling everyone else. This time it's, 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 it's like the strength has diminished even more. I um, call my supervisor, well, I text her like, hey, this is going on in the hospital. And I, I was barely able to grip the phone and text. Uh, Bree had to handle some of that for me. And um, the doctor came back. He says, hmm, what, what's going on again? Like, he, he was just gathering bits of information. This time he came back with a fucking pad. This is how I knew it was serious. Yeah, and so he hopped on their database, got in contact with the neurologist. He did groundwork for me. He did what I hadn't seen any other doctor do from my room to their stations. I, I'm, I'll see the doctors walk around, do stuff and come back and oh, nothing. You know, this trolley stress. This doctor, hmm. And so he came in and he's like, I'm, uh, I'm deliberating right now. I'm consulting with a specialist. And the nurse comes in there. And your know, nurses, I love, I fucking love nurses. Like nur- nurses are like amazing. So- uh, they, they really keep yeah, yeah, yeah. That love when she came in and she was like, Yeah, it's something like, you know, something. She probably thinks it's Guillain-Barre. You guys don't want to Google that. And she leaves out. Because <laughs> uh-uh, she had me dress out no. and then she said, 
and, and I'm like, oh my God, what do you think we're going to do? So Bree's like, what, what is it again? Like, you know, Bree's trying to look it up. He comes in there and he says, mm-hmm. I think we're going to have to do a spinal tap uh, on you. And I'm like, all right, shit, nigga, there ain't no thing. Let's do it. Well, let me tell you about a fucking spinal tap. <laughs> they take this needle and it's a nice size needle. It's, it's, it's a cool looking needle. And they insert that motherfucker in between your little lumbar or whatever, the muscles in the fucking back on the spine. And yeah. they go in between the spine and they puncture your, uh, the spinal sac with all the juicy gooey gooey fluid. And they siphon that in order to test the protein count in the spine to see if there was spinal protein in the uh, spinal fluid. Mm-hmm. Now, let me tell you about spinal fluid. Spinal fluid looks like if heaven could rain and we could catch it in a crystal ball bowl, you wouldn't be able to see it, even if it was full. That's really? how clear spinal fluid is. It's ridiculous. Wow. We're, like, we are the androids put on Earth. <laughs> we wow. are the machines. We've, we, everything about us is built is, is symbiotic to, uh, symbiotically to adapt regardless. And so when I saw that, that was just confirmation that we have the light in us. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> wow. But the internal medicine doctor, another white guy, that, the other doctor, I think, was uh, Jewish or whatever, but the, the internal medicine doctor. Marco. Big Swahili. He, uh, uh, and he, huh? You kind of broke up for me? a second, and then you came back in. Oh, okay. Yes, now I can. Okay, okay. What I leave off for where it break up at? You were talking about the, the the spinal fluid being extra clear and how we're androids put on Earth and how we adapt to the atmosphere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, that was just like my confirmation for, for everything. And man, I think I picked up talking about how the new doctor came in and he um, waited to the other doctor leave and he's the doctor whose floor I'm going to. And he says he doesn't think it's what what they're saying it is because of the length of time that I had these symptoms and he wasn't gonna I think he wasn't agreeing to me going to his floor which means I would have had to go home and good thing that didn't happen right so the neurologist comes in and the neurologist had me sent to the OR so they can use the machine to find all the spots where they can insert two needles. I got three other needles put in me, two other needles was two because the first one was the first one. And I had two other ones and they drew more spinal fluid out. Number had climbed again. So that's how they tell. They, they, that's one of the confirmations if to see what it is, the other confirmation. Yeah. And the neurologist said, it's a good thing we did that because these numbers would have quadrupled either in a couple of hours or by next week, and it would have been too late. So they got, they bring me upstairs. They, they have me admitted into the hospital. Well, I'm in the hospital at this time. And at that moment, within those four hours, I had deteriorated to the point to where I could barely lift my body up. And the neurologist like immediately got on the phone. I'm hearing this old Indian guy, Dr. Hushman saved my life and Dr. Rhodes. Um, get on the phone. He's yelling. He doesn't care who needs uh, the IVIG. We need it here now. 
I want it now. He's a little indie. I want to. I want it now. It I needs. Heard if it. it's not here, you know, I'm hearing them out yeah. there. I'm laying in bed like shit. What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck going on? You know. Right. Right. I'm right. I'm still just trying to just focus on on general things. And so, not even four hours or five hours from the time I was admitted, they already had a carrier coming from St. Louis and Kansas City with my doses of medication I needed, told Bree, and that's how I knew we were serious. Yes. I was like, whatever, whatever's wrong with me, and I hadn't really looked up Guillaume Beret. I was like nervous. I was I, I went to Brianna left the room so I could tear up because I I was trying to use my phone to make sure my affairs were together like her name's on what it needs to be on, um you know I I called my bank at one point like if their emergency happened you know I, I have her I think I already had her listed at the point not as a joint but like somebody who's a um, who would be a beneficiary and she was I'm making sure that everything is updated, you know um, insurance company I had like three insurance policies on my life. Uh, before then, because I'm a responsible guy, but it just really made me up them. I, up, I upped them because of that. I was like, no, fuck that. I gotta up this. You know, my sons, I got sons, I got a daughter, I got a wife, you know. First dosage hit my body, nine o'clock sharp. Soon as it came in, the courier was walking all the way upstairs with the pharmacist, making sure the stuff was together and everything was checked out. I guess there was a pharmacist who stayed behind for the sake of like, me it was i guess it was a boring time at the hospital <laughs> i'm saying it was a boring time um, so once they got everything signed off on i don't know what else they had to do nurse came in there i love nurses uh and administered the uh, first dosage and like and it was so fast drip it was coming into me and, and i'm talking about i felt all of that pain intensify that was the first time as a man not i didn't holler I screamed like wow. uh, I screamed a scream of despair. Oh God! And it was um, it was a lot. You know, the scream of despair is like it's the scream you hear when someone you're trying to save dies in front of you oh, and you God. love them. And there's and it's not like a regular death. It's it's a death that is like horrible. And that's the only way to explain the scream. It's that scream you do that's silent, but you hear it, you know, but mine was silent and <laughs> then I tried to hold it in and then it just got the pain. It feels like um, you're being electrocuted. It feels like you're being electrocuted, beat up really bad and um, you can't move. It started to progress in my back then. So this is when the time, mind you, I had all these symptoms for like two months. And this day, for whatever reason, the Guillain-Barre was like, hmm, let's go. <laughs> and it set down everything to where I was trying to do this, raise my head up, I couldn't. Mm. Now that's when it gets into your chest and how it kills you is it shits down all that vital shit. All the involuntary stuff that you do right now and you're enjoying, it shuts that down. The ability to hold your poop shuts down. The ability to hold your urine or feel that you have to urinate. Whoa. Because me, it took away that feeling of urination. I didn't know if I had to go to a restroom. I didn't know. I didn't know if you were poking me with a needle or a knife. I didn't know. I didn't know if it was your finger. I didn't know. I couldn't even feel the pressure, you know? Uh, he would hit my knees and no reflex. And that's, that's Miller-Fisher syndrome added in. So when you have that, that's Miller-Fisher syndrome when it shuts down your joints, okay. all your reflexes. So 
when that happened, it was just horrible for me. And I hopped in a support group and I realized that a lot of people died. Outside of this, let me tell you why I had a whole issue with vegans and woke motherfuckers. Because okay. everybody be acting like they're a fucking um, uh, a scientist or a doctor when they when they hear about your diagnosis. I, start having people well you know you're supposed you eating the meat and there's mucus in the meat like motherfucker that's not what the fuck it is or people will really marco i can't see i can't hear you no it's like frozen like for real I don't know what to do what a mayo clinic they'll type in when i, when I posted what it was everybody was hitting me up oh you could probably my connection here let me see Am I good now? Yes. I hope it's not. I don't think it's my connection, but yeah. So I'm good right now? Yes. Is it mine? Mine's good? Yeah, yours is good now. You were talking about the woke motherfuckers. But yeah, everybody was hitting me up. Yeah, yeah. So everybody was hitting me up. And everybody was trying to say that uh, what I was doing wrong in my life and all this stuff and what I... You keep breaking up. It keep freezing. Marco, big Swahili, you're and it's all that sugar. Yo, it keeps it keeps freezing. This makes no sense. He, I think you frozen right now. Say something. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's my connection. I'm checking my connection. I don't see that where it's going out. It's not mine. I don't believe it is. Uh, what is this? Uh, let me. Well, it looks like I'm looking at my waves. All of mine looks dead on. I'm looking at the uh, computer. I see that I'm freezing up more. So it's probably on my end here. here let me see if it catches up. Here, let me do something. And let me do something real quick. Mm-hmm. Let me turn on my, if my phone's working, the home Wi-Fi. Be on standby for me for a little bit. Sure. And we'll, we'll, no know, problem. we'll see if it's. We're on standby. Sorry for the wait, ladies and gentlemen. We have a little technical difficulties, but we're getting things back in order. Trust me. Yeah, I'm so sorry about this. Is it is it connected now? Yes. Seems a lot better, but you have to keep talking. Okay, okay. So, let me see here. Let me see, let me see, let me see. Yeah, it looks like it caught up. All right, up. there we go. Yeah. Somebody... Yeah, you caught up now? Yes, it's it's like catched up. I can see it, like the seconds and everything is uh, adding up again. Okay, so... Okay, so everything everything is on point. Yes. Okay, cool. Let me uh call Brianna. There you go. Hey, Bri. Could you bring me a phone charger, please? <laughs> Thank you, babe. I'm using my my phone's Wi-Fi, and I, I don't need the phone shutting off on me. So that would be horrible. Um, but what what did I leave off of in the meantime? Oh gosh, uh, let's see. Um, you were talking about the um, the scream of despair and all of that. The and then of woke dis- people hit me up and uh, yeah. About yeah, so the mucus and the meat. 
Yeah. So what, what I ended up learning um, about this disease when I joined the support group was there are people actually dying and who don't recover at all for a long time. One guy, it took him 30 years to recover where he actually put a video up of him able to finally walk around Central Park and he ran. Uh, another lady, it took her like 90 days. And really? She, yeah, she recovered with no symptoms. Another guy... Uh, that I know and I talk to on a regular and two um, is black women are their numbers are actually more than than black men with this this, this autoimmune disease and um, which explains a lot but uh, but now you're starting to see more black people get it it's, it's super rare as it is for Guillain-Barré to be around but now you're starting to see more instances of it especially with COVID-19 it yep. sits in you you don't know you have it until it exists so there's no way to really test for it preemptively ahead of time to say oh you have uh, chances of developing Guillain-Barré no, you don't know. Uh, it, it just simply doesn't work that way until the symptoms pop up. So with COVID-19 and people, people, I believe, were dying from Guillain-Barre and not actual COVID-19 initially because, yeah, I'm like, she, she got her beautiful uh, sweater on here. <laughs> she don't want nobody to see her. Get, 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 uh, get out of here. Come on. Hey, Bray. <laughs> I'm old ghetto. I'm sorry. Okay. No, I'm sorry. My, my sons will run in here. Let me plug this up. They'll run in That's here. That's dope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Start like automatically tweaking with all the studio gear and turning knobs. And, and they'll stop, look at the computer <laughs> screen and come back and turn because they're copying off of me and my movements. And I that's was like, beautiful. okay, that's dope. Or they'll start banging on a keyboard. Then stop, look at the screen, and start banging on the keyboard again. And this is how that's how they get their beautiful. Um, from it. Yeah, I, I love my boys. I love, I love them. Um, yeah, and that's what the fight is about right now, even with this disease. Um, but people were telling me what my recovery was going to be, and that it was going to be easy. And I think that was the most disparaging thing. Because if I were to base my ideal of recovery off of everybody's expectation of what they read yeah. online. For doctors, barely even every other doctor I talked to from this point on probably hasn't dealt with a patient with it, or they right. dealt with someone with it, and 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 or they've known someone in the hospital who was someone else's patient with it. That's how rare it is. Yeah, doctors from a zoo coming to the rehabilitation hospital. Like I hadn't seen a case like this in my whole career. One, yeah. one mm-hmm. senior nurse said, mm-hmm. "He said, Mark, you know your case. You're the first case I've seen." with Guillaume Barre, nursing students and, and some of the doctor students are walking there and it felt weird. It felt like I was a little guinea pig, you know, yeah. because, you know, it's a research hospital so they got all these students there and so mm-hmm. all of them were just asking questions. I'm talking about folks were writing down, taking notes. This is something you, it was like a, it was like a circus. Mm-hmm. This is something you'll never see barely mm-hmm. in your career. The one and only room 136. <laughs> Our subject is an Afro-American male minus the ball smell. Oh God, that's terrible. <laughs> and and we're gonna show you, we're gonna show you his condition. And they'll come in and one time I was masturbating. I was trying to get my shit to work. I'm right no, you were not. My, Marco, I'm sorry. My mother-in-law oh, God, uh, basically got lube for me. She didn't know what I needed it for. And so I'm trying to be discreet. Like, yeah, could you just get 
uh, a bottle of Astroglide. You asked me if I needed anything. Could you just get this particular brand of Astroglide? All right. In case you guys don't know what Astroglide is, oh, no. Big always keeps it in <laughs> with Are the you getting paid Astroglide. For this? <laughs> You want to use the astroglididdly when you're diddling your willy. Okay. Even the kente stroke. You so silly. That's, that's not a problem, Flanders. by the way. That's, that sits right that's there. Real. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, so I'm right here just concentrating. I, I, I feel like you remember when uh, Bruce Leroy had the power and yeah. the glow. Yeah. The glow. Right, yeah, I'm in there, and then you can imagine that 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 song just playing. I'm in here, just like uh, moving my shoulders, trying to get my hands to work. Aww. Group of fucking doctors and the students, and the doctor and the students walk in. <laughs> Bottles on the floor, it slides from under the cover on the floor. My dick is out. The Miller Fisher syndrome, compared with Guillain-Barré, I can't reflex. Everybody's looking at me with a glazed-up, glistening, lubricated dick, <laughs> laying in bed. <laughs> And that's oh, going to be in the movie when I shoot the film about my, it's called, is it working yet? Cause it's based on one of the biggest concerns. Once I knew I was going to live was, yeah. is my dick ever going to work again? Doctor, and every doctor <laughs> I would ask that to nurses got concerned too. I'm talking to the nurse. Like I'm going to have to have someone else give my girl the Kente stroke. Like I won't be able to do it. This is a concern. Like I can't give the stroke. They walk in, and at this point in my life, if you know me, I was only fans before that shit got popular, so I didn't give a fuck uh, okay. what you saw. You know what I'm saying? So I'm sitting there, on, like, it's not even hard. It's, it's the worst condition that a penis could be in with viewers. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, fuck it. Hey, guys, I'm sorry. And random white student, female, oh, it's okay. How many soft dicks have you seen, ma'am? That's what I'm thinking in my head. <laughs> like, and so, um, Silly. leave out, and the doctor's like embarrassed. He's standing there like he wants to say something, and, and, and he's like, "Man, you know, it's well, that was a good illustration on how shit's not working." And, and, and we <laughs> joked about it. He was like, "Oh, that's a good." He said that was actually the best illustration. And I was like, "Yeah, my concern is my stuff isn't working." And some of them like lingered. The male students were concerned, like, "God damn." This shit isn't working. How do we cure his dick? Right? Somebody, that's, that's where this, one guy said that, but not that. He was like, is there a remedy to this? I'm like, oh, well, fuck my whole condition. He's talking about the remedy specifically for the, the erectile dysfunction. Right, the nerves right. not working in the dick. And Damn. I was like, that's my guy right there. He understands me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, definitely. And, you know, that happened and it was a learning. I started to rediscover myself. I started to rediscover my insecurities and everything because of the autoimmune disease. And then I started to rediscover my outlook on life. And, you know, we talked about that, I think yeah. last week, week before last, when I'm like mm -hmm. my concept of life and existing and existence. It challenged my friendships and I had to reconstruct my concepts of friendships and our expectations uh, of friends, right? Mm -hmm. um, for instance, my close folks were there. People I didn't expect to show up showed up. I, I'm not a super religious guy, but to have a pastor or Reverend Lee and his wife and and Shawnee's. 
and her husband show up, show support. That was powerful. I didn't know how to take that. I didn't know. It was just, it was so positive and shit. Everybody that popped up, you know, um, I even had people who wanted to be side chicks. What the freak? What? Weird. It is weird. I didn't know. She showed up. She was like, Marco, I saw your pose. I saw everything. I came here directly for you. And I'm sitting here in the bed like, who the fuck is this bitch? Like, <laughs> this? I was like, man, Brie gonna beat this whole ass. Okay. I don't even know this chick. And I'm sitting here like, did I mess up? Did I do? I didn't do anything. I didn't give anybody else the kente stroke, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Oh that was one of those so things, funny. right? And I learned a lot about people. And the, every and one thing, this is a message for everyone. Just because they're not there when you're hurting or you're in pain, don't mean they won't want to be. They don't want to be there, and don't mean that they're not there. You Thank know, you. a person sometimes doesn't need to show up at every goddamn thing. Thank I have people you. who know my personality, Marco. I know you don't want people visiting you like that, Richard. You're goddamn right. I really don't like it, <laughs> but then they get here, then I like it. So right, I don't know right, which one I'm conflicted. Right, right. You get here and I like it, or you stay away, and give me space, and I like it. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, both. And, and so, it was, yeah, you know, I, I want I want both. I want you here, and, and I, I want don't you want over you there, there. <laughs> like, here and there. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm like okay, at the same time, that's the that. presence, right? Yeah, exactly, stuff, exactly. Right? Look. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I started. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's the Guillain-Barre story. So I'm still recovering. I'm currently um, dis- disabled. Mm-hmm. I'm not disabled, if that makes sense. I'm disabled, not disabled. I'm not, you know, I'm not declared officially disabled, but I can't work right now because, well, I'm going to declare medically disabled. I'm right, medically right. disabled because of me not being able to do something. If I could just do this all day and get paid, I could possibly do it, but I can't do it every day because what happens is I go, I, I, the, the worst condition I have of this autoimmune disease uh, is I go through rapid fatigue where everything shuts down. My arms, legs shut down and I get tired and wherever, I, wherever I'm at, I'm sleeping on the floor of the ground or I'm laying slumped. And, and and Brianna can't do anything to wake me up out of that. Someone can come in the house and and try to do something. Or this spider that's in my studio again. I think she's watching me. She always watches me. Anytime I hear working, she comes out. That's she comes nice. Out. She's up there. That's yeah, cute. yeah. Look at her. Hey. And I think she's one of the jumpy kinds. So if you see some jump oh, on shit. me and uh, I'm not moving fast because of Guillain Barre, but I'm panicking about a spider, that's why. Hell yeah. <laughs> but. But like, you know, a, a guy could break in the house and if I'm on that crash period, I can't do anything. Right. That's and that's what I try to protect against. So I try not to do too much. But social media and music have been like those primary outlets for me and living with it, this 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 situation or, you know, this uh, this autoimmune disease living with it. You're always weary about vaccinations. You're always weird about getting sick. My concern is that I might end up getting um, COVID and I go through a rapid degradation with this disease and the doctors think it's just COVID and they're not, not treating that and my lungs and everything shut down. Right. And so that's why if you have this type of autoimmune disease in the back of a lot of vaccines or vaccinations because people don't fucking read right people don't okay, read their bro. vaccination um 
it it says that if you have a parent on some of them or you're related to someone with an autoimmune disease, you don't have to have this vaccination because it could possibly trigger it. That's how it works. And so um, that's one of those things that I was uh, kind of explaining to people and just showing out there, just providing more information like that. So, yeah. What's the, what's the next question? I don't want to be just talking, talking, talking. What's the next one? I mean, yeah, I got you and everything. I just uh, find your story really amazing and the fact that you're here with me today talking about it because I was one of those people that could not be there physically for you. And I, I, I mean, I, I tried my best to check up on you and stuff like that, but I felt like I, if I was in Missouri, I would have been there, like period, no, no questions asked or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And the way my, I'm going to say, like, the way my bank account set up, I couldn't help in that way either. You feel me? So I could just no, it's only... Okay. It's okay. Like, I know. I know it is. With the universe, you know, it's just all about us being there at the time we're supposed to be in there. The timelines that we have for each other and the timelines that exist for us through the grand architect of the universe is the timeline that we need to be there. You can't force a timeline sometimes. And that's why people, when folks aren't there for you when you feel they should be, it, it might not be written into the timeline. You can't hold that against people. You don't know what other people are going through. You know, My situation was a situation, but my situation wasn't the only situation. Mm-hmm. You know, It was folks down the hall crying. They had to take somebody else out. And you know, uh, in, the ba- in the bag, you know, that, uh, that was horrible. Listening to a family lose someone and they don't know what to do. And watching a kid lean against my door and look in at me. And the only thing I can do at that time was my, and to be able to move when I was getting after the first, uh, the second dosage, a thumb up and a smile and tears in his eyes. And he he did that back. And, you know, this little seven year old was just the world crashed on him. And so to just, you know, that's the only thing I was able to do. And my smile was ugly. I looked like Two-Face because this is still, I was like, <laughs> you know, but it was, um, it taught me a lot. Taught me a lot. So there's that on that, the young Bray story. I'm still recovering. I'm still trying to do some shit. Uh, I want to, I'm, I'm taking it as a blessing. Like God knew how to sit my ass down. It's like he, he went through the list of shit that can fuck, fuck me up. And they're like, your liver's healthy. It's, it's remarkable. You drink and your liver is like this. Your kidneys are immaculate. Your lungs are great. Every organ is like textbook perfect. And God was like, hit the blunt. Hit him with the shit. Damn, <laughs> show. Imagine if, if Trump was God. That's how I embody oh God. like uh, God, <laughs> or, or God's substitute decision to maker is <laughs> <was> Trump. <laughs> it was funny, Marco. I'm so done. <laughs> I'm so done with you. But no. Um, okay, so now that we have that story in place, um, I want to talk more about your entertainment aspect as far as music goes and you just had created a web series because you're a film director too and I want to talk about that because I did like see the first episode and I was just like you know kind of blown away and everything I'm trying to go through my notes because there's something specifically I want to ask you about well just talk about the web series on YouTube how did that come about period like how did you get gain all the actors so the actors are already creatives who existed 
in the community and they they're great people they're good folks um so um uh, first before I, before I keep going I want to bring up the steampunk dugout is another one of my sponsors <laughs> like, oh wow so, okay yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's Christopher's an amazing guy I'm just bringing this up real quick as I get ready to round out the rest of the story because I brought up creatives around me well this right here and you know it's great for tobacco or whatever it might be that you would like to put in there uh, he has the steampunk, a real, true steampunk design. Um, you know, a little pipe here for you to put your tobacco in. In this case, I'm smoking Red Man. Okay. Or uh, for the time being, and if you you wanna contact this guy for the right stuff, but steam the steampunk dugout, you can get these things, and you can you should order one. As a matter of fact, let's do uh, if you want to. It'll come out of my pocket. Let's hop back on here uh, well, next week and do a giveaway. Cool. Let's do it. I'm down. We'll I'm do down. I'm down. And I'll, I'll mail it to the person personally and stalk them on social media to share it. <laughs> this man was an angel. He fell out the sky with the manna I was trying to collect. And he brought me fruits from the tree of life and knowledge. Amen. Amen. And, and you know, and it was perfect. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm seeing me puff on something. That's what I'm puffing on. I mean, he, he, he's a great guy. Um, and I'm gonna talk more about him later on tonight. Okay. So, well, back to Eye um, of Shards. Eye of Shards. So, that was um, Grind or Gerard Arbell April Heckemeyer, who was my co-director, who helped me in the background. Um, um, we were at we were at, we were we were at her house, and she allowed us to shoot. It was kind of cool because how the chandelier look and the light is the scenes look really vintage. Yes. Um, and then there was Asaya. Asaya was the other actor played the played the wife. Yeah. And it came up because I wanted to tell, and I'm still planning to tell um, the story. Uh, and Paula, Paula, and Paula was the uh, sister. I'll explain her role later. But I want to explain a story of um, not necessarily witchcraft, but I wanted to talk about witches. I want to tell a story about witches in their everyday lives. So the story isn't really centered around the husband, the guy who we assume is the main character. It's centered around the lives of all of the witches that exist in this universe that I was creating because this universe goes with my Negro Slender uh, character I'm working on. And this storyline also goes with um, the other one called um, uh, Timber Lane, which is, it's about this street of where all the characters live. They okay. all live on the same street through all right. of these storylines. Mm -hmm. And so you might see an action film and the guy lives on the street with my comedy series. <laughs> so that's how my universe is not a universe. It's a neighborhood. So I'm, I'm building up my stories around one neighborhood. And uh, one day I, I hope to uh, really take it to the next level and shooting it. So that's why the story with the witches is important because it's talking about these witches in their whole world. They live in an existence that we can't fathom like there's different academies and there's different there's not not academies but like different classes of witches who hang around these witches or who were brought in to their craft by other specific witches and they have these 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 basically every city is a city that these witches are from 
Mm-hmm. So if you're in Chicago, there's an existence or a city of, uh, of these witches that exist that you don't know about. It's not one community. It's the city. They're in government. They're, they're, uh, they're poor. They're rich. They're, they have their own existence. And, and mm-hmm. that's what I want to build that story up with. But revolving it around the guy character who isn't the main character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the witches. But and how different things going on. So if you watched it, there's no use of visible magic you see, but there is. The reason why the clock was important because the wife uh, controls time. She can create time loops in a space. That's her power. That's why you kept seeing that. Everything you see happening is happening until that time loop is broke. It's continuously happened. He's every night that he's every night that he dies, because he's dead, mm-hmm. and he always wakes up mm-hmm. in a different purgatory. But Ooh. the next day, he wakes up and goes to work. You see him come out the store. You see him do everything normal again. The same thing you saw in the first episode. You see him repeat the same yeah. thing every episode for the first season. But we had the halt shooting. Because the actor, uh, Asaya, she's going to be a, gr- a great entrepreneur, by the way. But she's she's going to be uh, on her way out the door, leaving out of town, going elsewhere. And so I was consulting with my team, which is myself in April. And we're, I was sitting there like, I really want to take this to the next level. So what I have to do is I have to reinvent uh, not too much. I'll just be replacing her character with a, I have to replace her character with another character. It's unfortunate because this is around the time where um, I'm getting anamorphic lenses in and I'm about to shoot this like the biggest. You're going to think this was a, an actual Netflix or a movie series. You're going to think this was shot by uh, Universal Studios when I finish with it. Really, 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 really. And, yeah, yeah, I'm, you know what? Almost losing my life made me want to gain more life and not give a fuck what anyone thinks anymore. So that's yeah, why I was like, you know what? Yeah, you know, that's that Kente stroke, you know. Yeah. But <laughs> made me want to push to do this stuff. It's a it's a fight because we're always thinking about how to be effective in doing it. But you know, but that's that film is going to I wanted to empower all the weird girls. Yeah, woo! Let me know how powerful, because that's all, that's all the chicks who hit me up. Yep. Oh my God, Marco, thank you. Because people think that magic is this and this, this and this, and that yep. ritual you did your homework. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, I understand. I think I understand the cornfield. Right. Everybody wants to think of what purgatory is. I think that when all of us die. We don't go to like a, a waiting place to go into heaven. I don't think that heaven is not real. No, it's not. Heaven is not real. It's not. There's no place you go and you're you're magically getting along with everybody in existence. Universe is chaos. Chaos is universal. Conflict is forever. Baby, live long, die hard with the Kente stroke. <laughs> So that's how I look at things. So he exists in this purgatory, which is this cornfield. Mm-hmm. And in this cornfield, he's being hunted. You're going to see it later on. Mm-hmm. He's being hunted by a creature that I, it took me some time, but I, I developed how the creature's going to look. It's going to be hideous. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Dang. He doesn't know he's being, he doesn't know he's running from something. It's that uh, the concept of pressure. And, and when you watch anything I produce, 
you hear pressure the song are we ready for takeoff well, the first thing you hear is pressure what you're hearing is pressure it's not a space shuttle it's what pressure sounds like to me like white noise yes yeah that pressure pressure anytime there's something like that i always want to induce pressure acoustically for people to connect with so when you see him in the cornfield he hops up it's that it's that pressure nature nature naturally produces pressure you go into an area of the woods that you're not supposed to be in yeah you feel it Hell you walk yeah. a little close by a certain room in the dark uh-huh. and you know something's not right about this uh-huh. room you feel uh-huh. the pressure you're yeah. not supposed to go in that room not in your own house not look down in the basement nah, not something's not right Mm-mm. you're not supposed to go down there something's happening down there yeah something so is happening to go. yep something is happening around you and i believe you know i believe in little portals opening up this this looks so suggestive. I'm lighting my tobacco in, in this little pipe. That's <laughs> and I'm okay. Talking about like portals and shit. But they're gonna call. I mean, there are people gonna be like, "This dude's freaking losing it." But yeah, what you about to say? I need. You said you talk about portals. Do you think what happened in space with the two black holes colliding together? Do you think that opens some type of portal here on Earth for 2020? Since everything that happens in space is visualized in the past. So that happened, what? The two holes colliding together happened, what, 20, what was it, 20 billion years ago? That's a long time. We just observed it, yeah. And we're just observing it. So do you think that has any, uh, the, the two black holes, literally the number two, it's 2020. This is 2020. All this weird shit is happening on Earth right now. From the protest to the, uh, 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 I can't even think right now. Uh, hell, the election, the virus. Come on, man. All this shit Nature, just. Just last week, we had the first time ever, not only the two black holes, but two hurricanes merging on land. Together. First time ever. In our lives, we've seen three tropical storms roll across the United States, and they gave the storm a name. It hit us, it hit Illinois, it hit Chicago. It hit hit you guys hard with the rain, too, right? It It did. It it was like torrential rain and just dropping Lights went out everywhere. Yeah. Lights went out. And Mm -hmm. and only the first time ever in recorded history, a fire tornado warning was issued two weeks ago during the forest fires and that's still some they're still fighting it by the way uh but the fire tornado they had to warn residents of that right uh it's so much stuff going on the night before last i'm outside i'm, I'm, I'm grilling a little steak um i see the moon i say this moon is different i take a picture i post the picture up of it and how the moon looks with the infrared information pulled from it it's red it's blood it's a war moon it's a moon that warriors are meant to fight and die under proudly no matter the outcome of their death that was the type of moon that was yeah it's the universe i feel like everything something's happening somewhere else and it's happening here too and i think the universe only ends when all of this chaos that happens um it it just envelops it just it just it it causes an implosion on itself so i don't I'm not i'm not worried about our existence because our it's, it's, existence is so significant compared to the universe but it's the uh 
it's the the pressure. You feel that pressure, right? Yes. What we talked about. You feel it. I feel it. We all feel it. It's in the air. It's the reason why everybody's buying ammunition. It's the reason why everybody's getting armed and purchasing firearms and shit. You know, that's, that's what that pressure induces. It induces that sense of urgency that you don't you didn't know you had. It's a primal thing. Imagine if all of us could just be family on earth. That would be amazing. I would love raising our children at that point, not just mine, not just yours, not just anyone else's, but all of our children to chase the stars. Like, guys, we're going to take an adventure. We're going to a new planet. We're going to go to Mars and we're going to cultivate Mars with broccoli. We're going to grow broccoli on Mars, guys. (laughs) Y'all ready for this field trip? Well, everybody load into the spaceship. Everybody loads up. The All the kids are happy. Bus. White, black, Asian, Chinese, don't matter Everybody. their religious beliefs. At this point, religion is null because if we get the space, the concept of religion and the belief of it, it ceases to exist. Because how do you explain space with the story right. uh, of theology? You can't because theology That's says. That's so true. That is uh, so true. Yeah. Yeah. Because at that point, the concept of uh, having a. Second here. Give me a second. Okay. I'm just looking. I'm for the next question because yeah, yeah. Uh, we have to get to the music. We got to get to the music. Oh yeah, we are. We got are. to. Here. I'm trying to make sure. What are you trying to do? Together. Uh, somebody just messaged me. I think. Oh, something interesting, I hope. (laughs) Something interesting, I hope. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like everything that you're talking about with um, with the space and time and religion, it all makes like, it's kind of confusing, but it makes sense at the same time, you know? So I could agree to that. Mm-hmm. Like if we all just packed up and went to go live on Mars or Saturn or whatever um, planet that we could um, this closer to the Earth's atmosphere, uh, I, I, I don't think that religion would be a factor in it. I really don't because it's something bigger than just religion. You know, I think um, there's truth to every religion. I, call me crazy, but I think there's truth to every religion. Like, there's not just one religion that's the right religion. It's not like a pick and choose this or that. You know what I mean? Those are just my yeah, you thoughts. Got it. Yeah. But but yeah, that's 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 head on right there. It's just but I just want I just want peace. You know, I think that's the thing with a, a near-death experience. You start realizing that, you know, we could be much more advanced than where we are. And hopefully generations to come, they look back at us like dumbasses and laugh. And we're more comical in our history than we are. Uh, I think this is the most comical part of history, human of the human history right now, because we had a toilet paper rush. We have people <laughs> thinking that a virus is fake because a politician yeah. says it and they're refusing. They look at a mask as a, think of how stupid this sounds. Looking at a mask as if it's a political statement. Yes. Like, you're wearing this, that means you don't support Trump. Like, well, no, it's because I have an autoimmune disease. And I'm, not, I'm just trying to be precautious. And then people listen to a guy who works at Taco Bell say, those masks really don't work. Before they listen to a doctor or the guy who invented at the actual mass say oh no they work and they could be reused i'm going to show you i'm the inventor of them 
you think about it, a guy who makes money off of these masks is telling people how to, he believe he knows it's a real thing. And he's telling people how to wash their mask properly and cleanse it to reuse it. He's not making money off of that. Think about that. Right. And where everybody else is, you know, it's easier to push the terror. It's easier to push it, you know. Um, that's so true. That's kind of kind of crazy. So that's where we are with that, right? It's that, it's that whole thing of life. And, you know, you want people to understand that life is a good thing. But, yeah, let's get to the music, though. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Um, let's switch things up a little bit, you know, for the listeners and the viewers out there. I want to talk about your role in music. Um, Big Swahili, you've come a long way with uh, your sound. And one particular track, well, I want to talk about both tracks. I want to talk about round of applause and i want to talk about takeoff so i'm just going to start off with what we just got through talking about because it's, it's it's all leading up to something round of applause okay i could imagine literally when i was listening to that track i could hear trump's voice said them son of a bitches and you know they're all criminals and can i get a round of applause you know how he sound or whatever i felt that and i could imagine it and it was it was almost kind of creepy and i'm gonna tell you why it was kind of creepy uh for a number of things the topics in which you touched on in your music you know you talked about war you talk about protest you talk about constitutional uh some uh, systematic racism come on man you hit all the points that are aggravating society right now you know what i'm saying um so what i have to ask you is um not even ask you yet i want to go to the hook i people you all hear this song on spotify but right now we're talking about it when you say in the hook why how do you sleep at night when the shots rang out last night how do you go to sleep we in the middle of a fight that's talking about yeah. some things that's happening right now. And I'm going to tell you one thing, one thing before I ask you the question, because it's very important. You said in the verse, broken fronts, broken fronts in front of stores, fronts, they make black bodies fold and scream fonts like broken croissants. Our sons don't want seven shots in the body of one. When did you write this song, Mark? When did you write this song, Big Swahili? I, I wrote that song literally hours before I sent it to you. So when I, when I messaged you, I was like, yo, check this song out, right? You know, um, that song was written like last week, last Tuesday. Last Tuesday, um, yeah, the feeling of the why. song exists already in me, and um, you know, and I I did the song, and when I finished it, I was like, uh, I'm gonna share it, you know, I'll share it with people I who I know will be real with me and, and let me know what they think, you know. Okay. Sometimes I just spam people with with a song, people I know though, people I love, people who know me. For sure, uh, that's the only people I spam with music, you know. I still I still do that, but <laughs> it was um one of those things where you know when I, I wrote that it was in a way to kind of explain how broken black people feel you know because when, when you say you know the part with the broken uh fronts in front of storefronts uh they make back black bodies fold and, and scream bold like croissants yeah it was the um the the whole concept of 
we're screaming, we're yelling. There's a reason behind all of this. That's it. Listen to us. And you're going to, and the only thing, because broken fronts is like the police, the people, the system, the people, but even amongst the people, they're all broken because of different things. I sat there and heard an ignorant ass guy say, I can't support gay people being in our movement. I say, bro, what about fairies? He's like, what? You know, if you got a guy like me who likes to, you know, dress up like a panda bear and have my <laughs> dick out to get some business going on, what about guys like me who have a sexual preference of being a fairy? Mm. He's like, man, it don't even make sense. Why are you doing that? Because because I like to do it. Sometimes you give the kente stroke to different ways. <laughs> you know, it's like something wrong with a guy dressing up inside a suit being a part of the movement. It was like, you know, the nigga, as long as he ain't out here trying to fuck people you know some i guess I, I guess you know whoever it is he says weird but i guess i say so wait so you're saying it's okay for me to to be have a preference personally and as long as i'm not out there with my penis out then you're okay with that you know it's like yeah i say so why, why is it you have an issue with other people and their preferences or other people in their in their their sexualities you know I, I think about how fucking stupid the fucking argument is you're, you're concerned with what a person does with their privates this is essentially what it boils down to yeah and, and, and i hate when people say it's an agenda and shit because most of the folks who say it come from broken homes and have never seen love so they have to blame their improficiency on other shit that's so true what a person does with the dick wow. is what they're blaming their insecurities and the shit they can't accomplish yeah. in life on and because it's easy to blame the other right i get mad at conservatives all the time but conservatives aren't the problem the problem they're part of the problem liberals can be a could be a big ass big ass chunk of the problem you know you come across a liberal white lady who claims that she's here for your people she don't give a <laughs> fuck about your people it just looks good up on facebook it looks good up on social media because mm. you're a nigger Mm. You're a nigger when she's mad, mm. you know. Mm. And so that's why that leads into the whole racism thing in the songs is that no, politically, everyone is responsible for racism. Um, people hate when I say black people can't be racist. You know, they want us to be what they do so well. If we were able to do what they did so wow. well with racism. We would own the system. You you would see a different America if black people could dish out racism. Racism has to be connected to a system. United States of America is the only country in the world where the construct and the evidence of racism exists in its constitution. Three yes, fifths of a fucking three fifths of your vote. Your indeed, vote as a black person, three fifths. Indeed. That, that if, if we was really a post-racist society, we would remove, not nullify it with another, we would remove that shit. We would remove exactly. that shit. The concept so of that right. would be moved out the way. But you know why? Mm -hmm. Because what? racism and white supremacy can exist systemically. And when it's always been there, it's hard to spot. It's the reason they don't want black people in the suburbs. But you tell that to a white person, they don't know. <laughs> well, Marco, it's people's neighborhood. They, it's not that they don't want you there. They don't want the other people, other people that 
are there to be there. Like you mean other people that are black? Because we're like roaches. Right. We're roaches, baby. Mm. We, we don't die, baby. We multiply. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? It's, it's what they want to say. That's what they want to say. That's the, the ones who are about that life. They want to say it. They want to say black people are roaches. They're an abomination. We need to exterminate them. And that brings me to my next fucking point. If you are a man or woman of melanin, you better get yourself a gun Damn. to protect yourself. See, we're always responsive. Black people are responsive, right? They we're not responsible. Right. We don't own the system. We don't control the system. We're not rep- the system doesn't represent us. That's true. Right? Um who the system represents are those who can control the concept of what we are fighting, which is racism. Though we're the only country in the world where other countries come to study racism historically. Wow. You know, Hitler got his motivation for what he does and what he did from America. They don't teach you that in the books, but no, it's there. Don't. He studied what we were what they were doing, not only with segregation and the segregationists, but he pulled a lot from that and applied the same toolkit Nazi Germany. Yeah. If a country can do that, if a dictator can do that, and you want to say, and that was the 30s, 40s-some, right? And you want to sit here and tell me that racism doesn't exist or it's not an issue like you guys make it, then I'll say, y'all missing a bigger picture because now they can't even fly the damn Nazi flag. They're flying the fucking Confederate flag. Why are Nazis and Nazi sympathizers flying the Confederate flag? Dick Wad? Thanks, why? Thanks, Wiley. I want to stay focused on the music because you got a lot to say, and I love it. it. Sorry, but that's what all is in the music. You know, that's that's what goes into it. It's the only way I can scream now, and that's beautiful. You scream through uh, a lot of things that you do, but I want to go back to. um, Okay, so yeah, I want to go back to the uh, the uh, question about um, take off, take off, take off, take off. Now, this song, like, I need to know, like, well, okay, you wrote it last week. You wrote it pretty pretty quickly and everything like that. What elements did you, were you influenced by, so to speak, like, literally? Like, I, I it has to be uh, uh, what happened to that young man, Blake Jacob and um yeah, the, la- the last part yeah that, the seven that's shots what in one body that, but it the seven shots in one body but here's the catch if you had known my best friend uh like the last album i did a song about my uh best friend's uncle being murdered by the police and he has seven shots in his back that's really what i was referencing so this shit is still happening that was 15 16 years ago mm-hmm. a black man slumped over a tree shots in his back while he slumped over a big ass oak tree laid out sideways he's over it and no one could explain why were the bullets entering into the tree from an angle no one got an answer I remember I remember that and I remember watching my best friend cry and break down and like not at that point he hated the cops and he went on this guy went on to be you know just you know 
just one of one of those folks, you know. That's just one. That's one of those things right there, you know. Right. But. And what about the song "Take Off"? Because I like, I, you know, just the simple creativity of it. Like it's like you, are, we're all on this plane, and the pilot is telling us, "You ready for takeoff? You ready for takeoff?" Mm-hmm. What's the concept that's, that behind was the concept. that? The concept of that was my spiritual world that, um, you know, when I, are we ready for takeoff, right? That it was like, if my spirit was leaving and I was able to take other people with me and we say, we're going to leave our bodies and we're going to go guys, we're going to go somewhere else because of all this racism and hate. That's what the song is about. It's about that. It's about like uh, making sure that there's a space that exists for us. Why can't we leave and go there? Let's just leave the planet. Let's go somewhere else. And that's what the song essentially is about. So you're hearing the liftoff. But I'm always asking, Ari, something happens today. Another black man dead. I look to the sky. Yo, mothership, where are you? Where are you? The motherboard. You? You know, yeah, I'm re- we're ready to get on. Just come and get us. We don't want to be here no more. This planet ain't meant for us. And so that's what that song is about. So... Okay, well, I, I just want to tell you my feedback on it. I love that song um, just for the simple fact that I did get that spiritual takeoff, you know? <laughs> I really did. And listening to your music, you're unlike any other artist that I listen to. You're very prophetic with your words and how you describe things. Now, there hasn't been a set of topics that I would feel even comfortable speaking about unless I heard it in your song. So that's how influenced influence how it influences me as an artist period like as a person you know it makes me comfortable to say hey you know if big swahili can get on the track and make you hmm think about it like that then i can i can feel freely to speak about it as well you know so um I, I'm gonna feel comfortable talking about gentrification. You know why uh, mm-hmm. there's black people not in the suburbs, but here's it's the, just the opposite. They're trying to do the, to get us back in the city in the projects, yep. and they're coming out here. Yep. But we're not gonna get into all that. But you know, it's just it's refreshing. Your music is refreshing. That's all I can really say. And I like things that make me think because I like I'm a reader. I like to read. You know, so and I uh-huh. really like to read music. So. Um, your harvest, the the, the new uh, uh, upcoming album is called the Harvest, correct? Yeah, it's called the Harvest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Reese Young. A number. Reese Young actually gave the gave okay, the name. Okay, Reese. All right, Reese. All right. Shout yeah. out to Reese Young. <laughs> so how did? Okay, so. He gave you the name. He gave you the concept and everything. What did you? What was your first initial thought when he came to you with that title? When he came to me with the title, uh, and he said, "He said you should you should name you should you should name it this, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, the harvest would be dope, yeah," because you know, he was basing it off of me gardening instead. And so I was I'm always talking to Reese about my garden. Like, really, he doesn't even fucking garden, but I'm just my brother. He's gonna hear this shit, and so I'm gonna talk about my brother talk to my brother about me gardening and that's what I did and so yes. when I heard it I immediately thought about my concept of life like how I look at everything I was like yo this is dope I'm thinking aliens and he probably wasn't thinking this but I'm thinking aliens a huge spaceship in the middle of a field and field. kids are under it yeah yeah, yeah you Whoa. see you're catching it you're catching it now oh boy you're catching it. yeah that was see, deep 
Chase Stroke. <laughs> that's what that's about. I felt that. It's I that get Kente it. It's that Kente Stroke. You I got you. you just look. Yeah, we've been going at this in this interview, and you you feeling the stroke. You got I the Kente Stroke. I felt it. I you, felt it. Right there. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, yeah. So now you understand how I connect everything from my I visuals to my music. Beautiful. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Brilliant. You are phenomenal. Okay. Very much so. I can't do the Kente stroke loud because the boys are asleep. Oh, well, we gotta keep it down now. We gotta no keep more it down Kente for the babies. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, Marco, I mean, I'm sorry, Big Swahili, I wanna get into the ending of the interview. This is a game I, I specifically came up for you. It's not really a game, but it's just, I need you to answer these questions in less than 60 seconds. You feel me? Okay, I might suck. Let's do it. Suck away. All right. Um, <laughs> this game is called Out of This World Questions. Let's get it. Okay. Mm. Big Swahili, why do you think people take life for granted? Because they don't know they exist again. They don't know that when they die, they're going to have another life. So they take life for granted because they're reckless with it and they don't know the value. And so when they repeat the next loop, that's, the, that's when they'll figure shit out. Great answer. Um, do you believe God is real? Why or why not? I believe God is a concept and we want God to be this cool Republican guy with a beard who says, welcome to heaven. And I don't really think that's God. I think uh, the universe and the grand architect of the universe, um, whatever energy force that is, is the grand continuum we live on and within us and within existence. Uh, the concept of theology is created by us. I can create a religion right now in 500,000 years, people will follow it and they'll believe it. And that's the religion. I can just base it off of a Mickey Mouse character and somehow people will link that to their existence. I think we all have the universal knowing of life in us. It's just tapping into that. Yeah, it's just tapping into that realm. I agree with you 100%. Um, what do you believe is humanity's greatest downfall? Humanity's greatest downfall is that we refuse to advance. Ooh. We refuse to advance. We keep finding things to hold us back. We're supposed to be a type one civilization right now. This one guy did some weird study and he was like, you know, hey, we're in 20 years. We can be a type one civilization if we all work together. We can have the real version of enterprise versus a cartoon or a show the real enterprise could exist if we work together but working together means giving up self-agency a little bit and we're not gonna do that shit damn i mean well i think some well, some of us are more willing to do it than others but yeah yeah uh what are your thoughts off with those definitely uh, we're really about to blast off with this one, but um, what are your thoughts on re reincarnation, which we already had this discussion, but tell the people. Mm -hmm. So in my upcoming audio book that I'm working on called, I don't believe that Chuck Norris will ever really die. <laughs> right. <laughs> One part in one of the chapters that I cover is the concept of what life is. When I was laying in a hospital bed, the sadness came over me because I was like, man, 
these people feel familiar. This one nurse came in. Her soul, I only seen her once. Her soul was nice. Everything was nice. And I said, you were probably my sister in another life. And she says, you know what? It's something about you. We probably were related. And then from those experiences, encounters where, you know, you ever come across somebody that just feels familiar. Yes. Right. Yes. Like, huh, yes. You know, deja vu uh-huh. exists, but when uh-huh. deja vu happens, look around you. Yes. Right. That's my, that's what this concept is about. Look around who's around you. Cause whoever's around you, you know, them maybe not in this life. Yes. In the next life, yes. you know them. So I look at, I look at, I look at existence like that. Like I look at that's why the concept of everything. It's like opening, opening a soda, right? And it's not, it's not the best illustration. But if all the bubbles were just bubbling up here, but then I want you to take that same soda and invert it, like those two colliding stars, mm-hmm. right? Or, or black holes. Yes. You invert it, and when you invert it. The bubbles, there's an equilibrium. There's a point at which all the bubbles exist at the same time that other bubbles are dying out. Oh. You have multiple existences of the same bubble from the same point in the cup existing at the same time that it's dissipating to continue on with new life. And I look at our lives and the concepts of our spirits like that. Humans, we're, 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 we're androids. We're just a clone race of beings i believe that we were the real aliens and we got stuck here but that's a whole nother conversation i see (laughs) yeah you're right about that honey that's the thing like and when i look at life i think that me and you were probably related or me and you probably were husband and wife or me and you were brother sister brother brother sister sister grandpa niece i believe that Everyone has some sort of connection with each other spiritually. And I can challenge that by when we talk about children who said they existed before, right? Children who said they existed before and they exist. There have been children who solved their own murders by saying, when I was, when I lived before, I got killed with an ex. And I, and I showed you the article of the real story. I sent yes, that to you did. Right? And yes. it's a, a stories like that where kids can go back to the beachfront property that they used to be at, but he died right here in the ocean. And he points where he died, where they pulled his body out. and Or they find his body in and buried in the middle of a desert somewhere. And he remembers, he walks them and they solve the crime. And then next thing you know, they arrest the guy who actually killed them. The birthmark matched with how the kid was killed. That's crazy. I, that I, every time I hear real. it. I know, I believe yeah, it. I know, it's real. That stuff happens. And it's not reported. It's not big. It's a phenomenon. So when you call something a phenomenon, people dismiss it. you know. Or you get the scientific people, why is this happening? There are academic <laughs> studies done on this. And so that combined with the other stuff, I believe, that's why I was saying we've all already been here. Nothing's new under the sun, literally. And that's why I believe that we are a some sort of sentient beings who have we, we build these bodies biologically. This is the greatest vessel. No machine can top the mechanics, can top the existence of this. This whole body is a machine. Hence, when I go back to me having Guillaume Beret and I say you have this crystal clear electro Light. magnetic fluid in your body that's crystal clear crystal clear it exists in its own chamber 
Yeah, yeah. Right? We yeah. don't know what the battery is. I say, no, we are the battery. We are the light. We are the spark. And so, you know, that's that's over 60 seconds, I know. Please no, but it, it needed to be said. It needed to be said because that was one of the highlights of our many conversations we've had off air. So I'm glad you said that. Um, but this is the last and final question. And um, here it is. What legacy do you want to leave to the people? You, you want the people to remember about you after you're gone? If I die in 30 minutes and I had to leave a lesson, a lesson, um, in the, or a legacy, it would be my words and such words as this. We are all one continuum on a continuous, spanless journey throughout an existence that is bigger than the most microscopic but still larger than the most minute mice hmm. in existence. And we're on this journey together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody is both significant and insignificant in its expanse. It is up to us to keep adding to the sparks to this continuous, infinite expansion. Uh, that's it. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, well, thank you so much, Big Swahili, for coming on Speak Your Mind Radio today. I really appreciate your presence. And um, one last thing. Do you have any questions for more? Just one question, though. <laughs> so when, when are you getting married? <laughs> I oh, don't I'm know. Waiting. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think... Don't know. I don't know. I got, I got a cousin. I got a cousin. He's single. He's a great guy. Uh, I'm taking that kente stroke. Also, no, no. You're taking. Yes. You two. You can have two guys. Actually, is you, you cool with the poly thing? No. I'm pretty sure y'all. You the type of lady you need eight men in your life. You know, you gotta let <laughs> your guy know this. Like, honey, honey, honey. You gotta go, you gotta walk in there. Like, look, look. Big Swahili told me this. He told me that I am worthy of eight men. That's how we should treat women. We should treat women according to how many men they should have. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? And we make the scale of eight being the highest, and then we make the minimum four. So every woman needs four men at a minimum. Damn, right? they make up the schedule. That type of not thinking me. Goes- <laughs> Yeah, there, there you go. There you go. You taken care of. You get to walk around with your fur coat, but it's not like real fur because you know PETA and stuff. But you know, you get to walk around animals. with the fur coat and everything. Yeah, you love animals, <laughs> right? So you gotta yeah. uh, you walk around with that and you put on your attitude and you're like, "Ma'am, I am an eight woman man. I mean, I'm an eight man woman. <laughs> an eight man woman." And then you oh, cannot talk to me this way. This does not float, you know. That's 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 what you should do. You should let him know that you deserve it. You're a special person. <laughs> Thank you, Big Swahili. I uh, appreciate you, and you're very special too. And your kid power is working. Is it? It is activated, sir. Yes, sir. That's that kid. Right, go uh, go scream his kente stroke. Scream it. Come on. Go on, scream it. Kente stroke. <laughs> 
I'm not saying that. Pow. That's all it is. <laughs> you gonna make me curl. You, you, we in this, you keep giving the world the stroke. You give them the Kente stroke. All of it. Because you're an awesome person and you possess the power, my sister. My queen. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to Speak Your Mind Radio. Uh, I'm going to leave that link down below. If you enjoyed today's show, PayPal me at Miss Hip Hop 2020. I'll leave the link below. And then I'll have the uh, Spotify and the audio version of this put up real soon. Peace out, y'all. <laughs> How did you sleep at night? Yeah. When the shots rang last night? Yeah. How did you go to sleep? Yeah. We in the middle of a fight. Yo. Racism is so systemic, it's written in the Constitution. Black bodies a pandemic and only three-fifths of a resolution. Some niggas can't feed themselves, but they speaking of revolution. Then blame sisters for failed families while black women protest executions. A black man, orange is the new black, said Chapman. PSD in the rap, until the police start clapping. No audience, until the president speaks. Because racism's so audience, they stand on their feet.